We want to welcome every one of you, our honored guests who are visiting with us here and in our the streaming churches that are around, the first-time visitors who are here, Abafundi uh, too, who are here as well, and people from far and near, we welcome you in the name of the Lord. This week for me, I think I must say, Barcelona is, is one of the highlights in my life. I don't think there's anything I love more than spending time together in prayer because it's a weapon that God has given us as the church that we are rediscovering and we are learning how to use it so that we can cause a lot of damage in the kingdom of darkness. I said yesterday that with all the people who deal in the other world, the other evil world, that works against the church and works against God and the Christian people and believers, one of the first things they do that leads up to the downfall of an individual, a family, a church, or a nation is to take out the discipline of prayer. If they can weaken you in your prayer life, cause you to be lazy, cause you to play around with prayer, cause you to pray amiss, and cause you to come for prayer but never pray. Or if there are prayer meetings, cause the prayer meetings to deal with something else other than equip people more with biblical principles, then it neutralizes you. If you look at the ministry of Christ and the discipline of Christ, Jesus being not only the Son of God, but God the Son, you would think he wouldn't spend that much time in prayer. His ministry was born in prayer. When he came to the waters of baptism, when he was baptized by John, one translation says, as he went into the waters praying, he was baptized. I always try to create a mental picture of him coming to that place of being baptized in the Jordan River. And already he was in prayer. And immediately thereafter, he went on a 40-day and 40 nights fast in a place of solitude, away from all the noise, all the bustle of life and community. And again and again, during his earthly ministry, he would walk away from everybody and go and pray. The night preceding him, choosing the 12 disciples, he spent the whole night in prayer. And again and again, Jesus would pray. It was like the central point of his life until the disciples connected the dots and realized there's something about this man's prayer life. And they came to him and they asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. And that's because they realized there's something about his prayer life. The one thing that churches don't do much anymore 
Churches are not committed to prayer. Pastors don't pray. Bishops don't pray. Archbishops don't pray. Apostles don't pray. Teachers don't pray. Evangelists don't pray. And we find teachers don't pray. Church members don't pray. Choir members don't pray. Ushers don't pray. Counselors don't pray. People go on autopilot. And they do things. Then prayer ceases to be a central point. Like I said yesterday, the least attended meetings in most churches are the prayer meetings. Have a miracle service and see how many people come. Have a prosperity seminar, see how many people come. But ask for a prayer meeting and see. And that's why my heart is really moved, Barcelona, to see every one of you here. And I greatly honor the leaders who are here, ministers of the gospel. You know, it's not easy as a pastor to go somewhere and so on. At this time of the year, mostly. And I honor the bishops and archbishops who are here, the pastors who are here. I don't take it for granted. And all of you, Barutu, for being here. Because many people have time for everything. And they make time for everything. And not with prayer. And so tonight, we're going to teach a little different. We'll do a bit of preaching, a bit of praying, a bit of preaching, a bit of praying. I hope you are in the mood to pray tonight. Yeah, because tonight I want to share some things with you that some of them I won't delve a lot into them. However, I'm going to bring them out there and talk to you about them because we are dealing with a serious one tonight, the stone of strategic level spiritual warfare. There's a lot that we don't understand. I was listening to one pastor. He said, you know, we teach people on holiness, which we should do, and it's so important, but we never teach people on warfare. You know, and I was saying on Sunday, the entire Bible, or should I say rather, the writings of Paul, maybe that's the better way to say it. When he started writing, he started using the imagery of us being in war. You know, being in warfare, you know, uh, Ephesians 6, putting on the whole armor of God. When he writes to Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. He writes to Timothy, as a good soldier, you know, be strong. No one who is, 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 is conscripted as a soldier busies himself with civilian affairs. But everyone who's conscripted as a soldier seeks to please the master. And he started using this imagery of us being at war and warfare. Something that we saw demonstrated in the life of Christ, but we, he didn't go into details. But you could tell when Jesus was ministering that when he came to certain territories, these were territories and spaces that were under demonic powers. And Jesus had to deal with the spirits in the place. When he went to the the place of Gadara, the demoniac of Gadara. And when he ministered to that man, you know, and the demons began to speak and say, do you want to take us out of the place here? Have you come to torment us before our time? Even if the Bible doesn't go into details. What about the woman who came to the temple who was bowed over? And the Bible says she had the spirit of infirmity. 
And Jesus, when he went into places, demons would scream and cry out because we are at war. So we have been focusing on reclaiming that which has been imparted to us by God to our family lineage, our community, our nation. And we said to do that, we have to revisit certain covenant obligations. We noted, as we were saying yesterday, that it's required of us for those of us who are going to reclaim what rightfully belongs to us, we'll need, therefore, to remember certain covenant obligations and apply certain biblical principles to be able to reclaim what belongs to us. And for those who feel God's call in their hearts, God's move in their heart, or God moving you in your spirit, and God inspiring you, and giving you a restlessness to say, we can't continue like this in my family. We, we can't continue like this in my church. It can't be so in my community. It cannot be so in my nation. And when you sense that disequilibrium and that divine discomfort in your spirit, you should understand what stands before you because you are the one who's going to arise and you're going to do what other generations have failed to do. And therefore, all the powers of darkness that brought them down and caused them to have a failed mission will gang up on you and try to bring you down. So you need to put into perspective the reality of what you're going to be faced with. And you have to have a certain demeanor about you and a certain posture about you. You have to make certain decisions that I'm going to stick it out, I'm going to stand strong, I'm not going to allow myself to buckle up. I'm not going to get discouraged. I'm not going to run in any way. If I fall, I'll get up and I'll start again. If I fail, I'll get up and I'll start again. I'm going to stay and I'm going to be the last woman standing, the last man standing, no matter how long it takes. I'm going to fight and I'm going to have him fought to a standstill. I will keep on fighting. You have to decide, no matter what the devil pulls up against me, no matter what pain he delicious out towards me, I'm still going to continue. I will cry, but I won't stop praying, all right? I will hurt, but I'm not going to retreat, you understand? I will have loss, but I'm not going to sit down and focus on the loss. I will get up and I will move on. And I have a feeling that this is what these people are all saying and everybody joining us. And so the fate of the next generation lies on your shoulders and on my shoulders. How the church will impact its current generation. When people look down generations from now, will they see any difference that our generation made in advancing the agenda of God's kingdom? Or will we be a generation that people will spit on our graves and they will curse us? Or we will be that generation that played around instead of having impact? Can we be that generation that at least will resuscitate certain things? We may not solve all things. We may not see everything change. But can people point at our generation and say there was something about the young people of that generation. They gave themselves to the agenda of the kingdom of God. 
Will they say something about our churches and say there were churches in those days when they gathered for prayer meetings. Thousands of people attended. Will they be able to say that? Will they be able to say these are men and women who understood what covenant obligations are? These are men and women like the Joshua generation who picked up the 12 stones. These being biblical truths that they embraced biblical truths that God resuscitated. And God brought this truth to them as present day truths. They learned these biblical principles. They didn't just sit down and say amen. They practiced this principle. These truths that were there in God's word for years, but they were lying dormant. But now the Holy Spirit has made this truth to come alive. Because these truths are important for this Kairos moment that we are in. And because of embracing these truths, we began to experience visitation, restoration. We began to see a move of God on a level we were not used to before. Of course we will make mistakes. Of course there are certain things we may not do right. But our heart is right in all of this. And so today I want to talk about this strategic level spiritual warfare. That's the second stone we need to pick up. Yesterday, we talked about the stone of intercessory prayer. But the second stone is the stone of strategic level spiritual warfare. And I want to use 2 Corinthians chapter 2 as my main text tonight. And I'm going to read from verse 1 to verse 11. In the NIV Bible, and then just the one verse, I'll read it in the King James Bible. And so I'm reading. So I made up my mind that I would not make another painful visit to you. For if I grieve you, who is left to make me glad but you whom I have grieved? I wrote as I did so that when I come, I should not be distressed by those who ought to make me rejoice. I had confidence in all of you that you would all share my joy. For I wrote you out of great distress and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to grieve you, but to let you know the depth of my love for you. If anyone has caused grief, he has not so much grieved me as has grieved all of you to some extent, not to put it too severely. The punishment inflicted on him, now you may not understand everything we're reading, but I'll explain. The punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient for him. Underline that verse or highlight it or something. Just, just make sure it stands out. Whatever you do to your, your Bible or e-Bible or your e-Bible, whatever you do. Verse 7, now instead you ought to forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. Wow. I urge you, therefore, to reaffirm your love for him. The reason I wrote you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything. If you forgive anyone, I also forgive him. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. Now, here's our main text. In order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Now, Let's put that in context because we've read quite a lot and you don't understand it. When you read through the book of 1 Corinthians, we've talked about it, you, you observe that Paul relates with this church that he really loves. 
right? He really loves these people. You can tell. However, it's a church that caused Paul a lot of strain, all right? This church, as we said, was endowed with spiritual gifts, but in spite of them being graced and endowed with these gifts, they grappled with a lot of things. There was strife, divisions, jealousy, and immoral living by some. So in the first letter, when Paul writes to the leadership of Corinth, in 1 Corinthians 5, he's advising them to deal with a church member. This church member was living in open sin, and defiantly so. This guy was having an affair with his mother-in-law. And they had improper sexual relationships. Now, this guy wasn't hiding. He used to post it on his Facebook page. <laughs> and on Instagram. So it was known, it was not a secret. And what Paul couldn't understand is, why are the leaders not dealing with this? Because this guy not only is a member, he is playing a significant role in this church. So the leaders finally gave attention to this matter, instituting disciplinary measures to the member in question. However, in them executing discipline, their disciplinary measures were not restorative. The biblical principle of discipline is that God's discipline is restorative in nature. That's the difference. That's the difference. God disciplines, he doesn't skirt around the wrong. He doesn't justify the wrong. But if you truly repent, he restores. That's just the way it is. Now, even if this guy repented of his sin... These guys didn't apply restorative measures. So Paul now is writing a second letter to the Corinthians. He's addressing many things, but among them, he's now saying, look, this guy who has repented, who is even demonstrating a changed lifestyle, you need to forgive him. And you need to restore him to fellowship. Because if you don't do that, then that comes to our main, main, main text. Satan will take advantage of this person. And the advantage you will take is that this guy will be overly sorrowful. All right, so he crafts this statement of Satan taking advantage of us. He says, we are not ignorant. We are not aware of his schemes. We are not ignorant, the King James says, of his devices. So it means Satan is a scheming, planning, devising, strategizing one. And what Paul is saying is that, unfortunately, oftentimes, we are unaware of what he's planning, scheming, strategizing, devising, and as a result, he takes advantage of us. Takes advantage. So, I want to use that as the backdrop of what we want to talk about when it comes to strategic level spiritual warfare. And I want to go into the expressions and the words that we find in this text. The expression, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we're not aware of his schemes, or we're not ignorant of his devices. This statement, the way it reads in the literal text, this is how it reads in the original, and I quote, that we may have no advantage gained over us by Satan, namely, 
by letting one member be lost to us through despair. We ourselves furnishing Satan with a weapon by repulsive harshness to one who is now penitent. End of quote. So it means Satan's power over us is really not great except for the power that we give away. We can furnish Satan with weapons that he can use against us. In this instance, it was these people being so harsh and not being able to embrace a member who has repented. And how many times do we see this in churches? When we are unable to embrace back repented members. Now, note Barcelona, there are people who repent who just say, I'm sorry because they were caught. Look at your neighbor and say, I want to amen because I know. But the Bible says if people repent and they demonstrate in the words of Jesus, they show the fruit of repentance. When he was talking to the Pharisees, he says, you must show the fruit of repentance. If they show the fruit of repentance, we must be able to not only forgive them, restore them. Yeah. Now, how restorer, you bring someone back to what the original used to do. However, mamela, 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 they must have demonstrated full repentance and you must also, you don't just restore without retraining. I encourage the amen and the over few tonight. So, Kiko Palin to say, please, but Ruti Liren Amen. You can already remember Kitsa Adibatore Amen. All right. However, Paul is saying this guy has demonstrated now. So, here's the one thing, Bazalan. One of the weapons we give away to Satan is our spirits of unforgiveness and the attitudes of being holier than thou. We give away our power to the enemy. This is what I tell people. And in the book that I've written on classic pastoring, one of the things I talk about is how when I receive the call of God in my life, I can safely say God baptized me in the spirit of love. I, you know, I'm only understanding it more and more as I go along in the journey. And I can tell you over the 40 years, over the 40 years, a lot has happened. And people are not nice, generally speaking. People are not nice. And from a natural perspective, it's very difficult as a pastor. When you know a member who has done stuff to you, against you, and said all kinds of things, and you see them coming back to church. And God says, pray for them. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, it's very difficult. Or they post things and you don't respond. You let them say things. And, I mean, we had people, next thing, we are trending on social media for the wrong reason. And you want to respond and God says no. I tell you one thing, you need a supernatural level of love. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
it's not in our nature to be able to do that. And that's why the book of Romans 5, 5 says, and the love of God has been shared abroad in our hearts by the Spirit. So I'm coming to that first thing. The first thing for us to neutralize the work of Satan among us is to learn to walk in love towards one another. I'm telling you, you know, I was saying, come on, Bishop, some of the things that we've been reading and studying and discussing. I said, you know, as I'm looking at all these things that are being said, the one thing I'm noticing is that if we were just to do what the Bible says we must do, we don't even have to worry about Hore, the witches, the Afu, Fakaika, Balika, Hore, Kes. I'm being honest, Bazala. We don't even have to worry Hore, Bamponsa, Bangloya, Bakensen, Tomotlasa, Koloi. You don't even have to worry about it. Because everything that God says we must do neutralizes everything. But Satan takes advantage of us because we give our power away. Now watch this. I wrote this down and I know I don't know where it's going to fit, but when I was preparing this message to share some of these things with you, you can see it's not in my notes, it's it's on here. Many people don't realize that there are demonic entry points. Now, when I say demonic entry points, I'm not talking about being demon-possessed, but we allow demonic spirits to have advantage. Do you understand? You see, you see if, if you can't beat your opponent pound for pound, right, you strategize. You, you strategize. So, so I can't match you pound for pound. I'm not as strong as you are. So, so I know if I try to match up with you strength-wise, you're going to beat me. But I know even if you are strong and you are very big, you are slow. So I, I, I take advantage of your slowness. So to win that fight, if it's boxing, I'm not going to try to knock you down. I'm going to beat you on points. So if I can throw as many punches as possible, as long as I stay out of trouble, out of your strength, come the end of the fight, even if you are stronger than me. That's what, that's what happens with Christians. We are stronger than the devil. Yeah, we are. Yeah, in Christ, we are stronger than the devil. He cannot stand up against us pound for pound. So what does he do? He strategizes. Paul says, let's not be ignorant of his devices, of his strategies. So how do we give our power away? I'll tell you things that become entry points. One, unforgiveness, like we've read. Unforgiveness, put it down with bitterness and strife. What's the antidote of that? Love. That's the antidote. Love. First Corinthians 13, if we Allah. It covers all those things about unforgiveness, bitterness, and strife. But, but how many of God's children are struggling? How many people hear Basabuisa name? No, I'm going to come right there where you live. How many people hear? How many people hear? I will like to avoid a motto. And then we come and sit in church and we pray. Yeah. 
and we think the Holy Spirit is going to fall down. Look at your neighbor and say, I see your amen in a lot of pain. But you better say amen. Yeah. I learned that as a pastor that one of the things I must learn is to not allow myself to have issues with people. They may have an issue with me, but I don't have an issue with them. Yeah. Rangerera in advance. Just why? Because unforgiveness takes away your power. You're not doing the other person a favor when you forgive them. No. <laughs> but when you forgive them, you're not doing you are not doing them a favor. You are doing you a favor. That's because you don't know that that attitude weakens you. Yeah. Weakens you. Weakens you. I've told you the story, Basalana, when I learned a lot about forgiveness in 1982. I'm not saying I've been perfect since. We all struggle. But I have to learn to forgive. I had unforgiveness against my dad that I was not even aware of. How does it manifest in starting to be negative about the person? You don't see anything good in what they do. When other people praise them, when are you Mara Mara? Oh, better still Raoutla Mara, the human side Yabona. And it would frustrate me because my sisters were saying all the good things about my dad and I didn't see any of what they said. And here I was. And one day I was doing the devotions and I was reading 1 Corinthians 13 and I was doing some studies and I had been doing that for several weeks and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just stopped me. And, and, and he said, you are walking in unforgiveness. In fact, he said, why, why do you have this attitude against your dad? I didn't even know. Why, why I had this attitude towards him? I didn't even know. But I just had this attitude. Yes. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Serious. Yeah, I we cover it up. My spirit and their spirit, I did do my land. Look at the devil and say, Trada, 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 Trada. There's something about their spirit, you know. I can just discern. Whatever moyawaka, moyawaka lewabona. And God just like played a video in front of me. I saw just a vision of my life. All the way back when I was nine years old, my dad giving me a hiding, and I hadn't done anything wrong. And since that, I was nine years old. Nine years. He was nine, nine years old. Since I was nine years old, I held him with a heart. <laughs> and here, here I am now. 
It wasn't 82, actually. It was like 85, 80, 83, yeah. 1983, I'm a pastor of a church. No, no, 82, actually. I was an associate pastor. I'm an associate pastor of a church. I'm leading a church. I stand up, I preach, I'm doing this, man. I come home. Shubit. When I, when I forgave, no, it was 1983, when I forgave, Pastor I was shocked. It was like a, a ten-ton weight. You know, when you, are, when you are living under a burden, you, are we born? Are we cool? You, you think you're okay. Mara, you are carrying this weight. Why? Because you've given Satan the permission. He can't match you pound for pound, but he's using a strategy. This weight lifted off me. I felt so light. Second thing that happened, all of a sudden, I noticed how good my dad was. No, it wasn't, he didn't change that day. No. It's me who changed. Me who changed. See, some of you say, no, there's no longer the anointing. Okay, okay. And I say, you may want to go pray and fast a little bit more. Because if you're not experiencing the anointing, maybe blockage is on another side, not from here. You see, sometimes we... we, we we impose things on, 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 on people or on organizations when there's nothing wrong with them. I'm talking about warfare here. How Satan takes advantage of us. So soon you start having an attitude, you no longer feel the anointing, the music is loud, the service is too long, the preacher all the time. And, and, and the, the other one that is so deceptive, people say, you know, even before we rera, let's say everything about your sermon. You know, I don't like that when people say that to me. I'll tell you why I don't like it. Because those people sit there and they don't listen. It's almost like I already know everything that you're going to say. I am so advanced in my walk with God that even before you preach, God has already spoken to me. It's a, it's a problem of, of, of pride. Now, there are times when God will show you, but you don't need to sit there like, you know, I don't need to hear anything already. And, and soon you see those people, they start going back. They, they disengage from the church. You can see them during worship. They don't worship anymore. They don't pray anymore. Then they stop coming to the events, and then they choose what they come to. They are very selective in their diet. Even things, the program, not like before. Before, they were there. Now, by See, they're regressing. Yeah. And they come up with lots of excuses. They start absenting themselves from the church with legitimate excuses initially. But the minute they get into that habit, they find it hard to reconnect. And soon then they start meeting birds of the same feather flock together. Then they start attracting other people who are disgruntled like them. And they start forming a group by themselves Talking among themselves, but I've been a Christian long enough to tell you that I have had to deal with those things myself as a leader, not even as a church member only, as a pastor. 
When pastors stop going to conferences, stop listening to a certain leader, they stop. Has an anointing. God is through. Whatever. And Baba And I have watched it for 40 years. The outcome of those types of talks and decisions is the same. Those people bite the dust finally. I've never seen one exception. It's just a matter of time. I was saying in the other service, Bazalan, and I want to bring it here now. See, when, when a plane crashes, there's usually a very big investigation that goes on. Very big. And the, 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 the aeronautic industry, they are very strict in, in, in making sure that planes don't crash because the way a plane is designed, it's not supposed to crash. It's not supposed to crash except for mechanical failure or human failure. Very rarely does the weather cause a plane to crash. Very rarely. Because even before a plane takes off, they clear it and they know the weather. And it's the captain who has to decide finally whether they fly or not, even when the weather conditions are not good. So if it crashes, it wasn't the weather, it was the captain who decided to take a risk in that type of weather. There are so many precautions. So when a plane has crashed, what they do is they try to retrieve the black box and they try to listen to the conversation that went on with the pilot and the control center and everything that happened. All they try to look at everything, you know, because this thing is recorded. How fast the plane was flying, what was the altitude, which direction, what was this, everything, the weather, everything is there. And then as they listen to the, 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 the table of events, they can tell, okay, at this stage, everything is fine. This plane is not supposed to crash. And then there comes a point where the pilot makes one smaller nyana fatal decision. Sometimes it's not such a big thing where they ignore a warning signal. And they don't, they just ignore it. And Mamela, at that point of ignoring, ignoring, right? Just that one point. From that time, this plane is destined for destruction. It's just a matter of time. Even if it's still airborne, even if it's still flying, already its destiny is sealed. And many of God's children don't realize there's a point in our lives where we allow Satan to take advantage of us and at that point, our destiny is sealed. And if we don't learn from how other people crashed, and if we don't resist the temptation to do what they did, because there comes a time sometimes you have to walk away from certain groups of people. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You have to tell them, look, I love you. Your God's children, Mara, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't want to spend time alone. Yeah. And I can tell you in ministry, 40 years later, there are many people we started with 40 years ago whose ministries crashed on the way. And there's a point, I can point at it, at this point, this is the time when disaster started. At this point. A crash was inevitable at this point. Yeah, because they made that decision. And it's exactly what Paul is saying here. 
If you keep this guy in unforgiveness like you have, it's going to destroy his life. Just a matter of time. And Satan will have the upper hand. Even if you're stronger than him, you've given him the weapon. This is what neutralizes the power of prayer. This is what makes even our prayer life, even when we use the name of Jesus, even when we fast, even when we apply the blood of Jesus, nothing moves because your destiny is sealed. There's a point where you made a decision. Oh, yeah. So the first one is unforgiveness I was telling you about. The second thing that's, a, that's an entry point is covenants. Covenants. People cut covenants, made agreements with all kinds of things. Covenants. Ceremonies that are made. Things say Things say Hang on the wall. You know. We read strange things. These. That we don't know. And we want to apply these lucky charms. Hang on the wall. Put it on your body. Bring it in your car. Look at your neighbor and say, Why would you this all? Did you know also, thirdly, certain, oh, in certain ceremonies, and this is what shocked me when I was studying this, there are certain colors that get used in those ceremonies. And I was, I was surprised to say, but why? And then I realized, for us to interact with the spirit world, there has to be a point of contact. Let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that. How do I rephrase that? How do I rephrase that? All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Let, let's put it this way. You know, light has a certain speed. Right? Light. And if something was to travel at the speed of light, you would not be able to see it with your naked eye. It doesn't mean it's not there. But it's operating at a wavelength, at a speed that your naked eye cannot see. For you to be able to see it and to connect it and to perceive it, it has to slow down its speed and come to your level. The spirit world is like that. For the spirit world to connect with us humans, there are certain activities that are important. Because the, it operates in a certain range. So there has to be a certain, certain practices that we do. And by our own volition and our own choice, we engage in these practices. Only then does the spirit world come to our level and engage with us. So one of them is the practice of worship. Why is it during a time of worship, there's a presence that gets created? So if you worship foreign gods, you create a presence. But what is that presence? What power is there? If you want to bow down to some things and honor them and make them a god, it could be just, it's an idol. It could be just a picture that you put there. 
in the words of Paul, it's not just the picture, it's the spirit behind the picture. Oh, yeah. So in other words, the act of worship becomes the point of contact between the supernatural, the super and the natural. Between the spirit world and the mortal world. So, when certain ceremonies are done in covenants, there are certain preferred colors. And those colors become significant colors. There's like seven of them. What about numbers? Read the Bible and, and realize why numbers are so critical. The number three, the number seven, the number 12, the number 24. We talk about the earth having four corners. Why the number? Why is it that fasting, the seven-day fast, 21-day and 40-day fast, what's the significance of the three? What do they do? So the issue of numbers become very important. Certain materials of cloth, if, you know, sometimes, sometimes. No, 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 no. There's the other side, yeah, when, 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 when Paul was praying for people, people brought handkerchiefs and aprons. What is it about cloth that it can incubate and transmit spiritual power? What is it? And, and, and these are things it's hard to understand. Mara, it's, it's a medium. It's a, it's a transmission medium. Bodily fluids. Blood, all kinds of things. One of the things I found very, very disturbing. And I wondered if people understood this. People who get involved in satanic rituals. And, and I was, I, I, I am going to study it in the Bible one day. It's been a big question to me. Why is it, and I think I'm starting to get answers. Why is it that God demands sexual purity? Why? Why? I'm getting certain answers as I read the Bible, but you'll find that even in ceremonies in Bible days, in Bible days, every time people worship foreign gods, they would get involved in illicit sex. Anytime there was alcohol and white partying, sex is involved. Corinth was dedicated to the sex industry. What, what is it about sex? Why, why, is it, why does it carry so much influence? Why is our world sex crazy? Now, I know you are religious people. You are going to try and look like you don't know what I'm talking about. That's okay. Why, why is it that even in the worship, in the, in the temple of Diana or Aphrodite, there would be temple prostitutes? who in, as part of their worship to this God, they would be involved in the act of sex. 
I know of a, a particular grouping in our own country that this many years ago. Unfortunately, God was using these people so lot, things started regressing. They would go to whole night prayer meetings and they'd end up sleeping together. Yeah, yeah. Why do people go that way? Why is it that when you try to live for God, the demonic compulsion of illicit sex follows you? Why must you fight it so hard to stay pure? Why does the devil haunt you so much? Because of the bodily fluids. Because once people engage, and they do this even in in other places, say whatever, that are evil. They just get your bodily fluids and they go and do ritual scats on. Yeah? Yeah. They engage in the act with you. They take whatever fluids from you. Whichever way they do. We can't be graphic. We're in church. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Why is God insisting on Sex within specific boundaries between a natural man and a natural woman within the marriage covenant only. Period. Period. Why? Why does why does Paul say in First Corinthians six, Second Corinthians six, don't you know that the one that you sleep with you become one with them? What is this oneness? What is this one net? You become one with them. So when you become one with a person, you get intertwined with them. And whatever they carry becomes a part of you. Oh, yeah. Even on a medical level, that can be proven. That can be proven. But here is not only the physical part, but you get intertwined with their spirit. And whatever spirits are ruling them, Whatever spirits are affecting them, whatever covenants they have cut in the past, whatever connections they have cut in the past, they get into your spirit, they become part of you. So you're busy jumping from one bed to the other to the other. You think you're having fun, you're messing yourself up. You're messing yourself up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, Bishop Ulma, and I'll end with this, but I want us to pray. Ah. You know, Bishop Ulma, when he was preaching about the weapons of our warfare, he talks about uh, the, the, we, we have to put on the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, and then the what? The breastplate of righteousness, and then what? The belt of truth. And, and usually a belt, Bazalwana, is emo, but the, the, the loins that he's talking about, the, the loins actually, is between here and your, your, your knees. Exactly where your sexual organs are allocated. And Paul says, if we're going to succeed as a warrior, 
You must have that belt of truth on your loins. In other words, you need to have integrity, truthfulness, holiness and righteousness in your loin area. Or otherwise you're not bringing the enemy down. Why is it that we have Christians today who are so weak spiritually? Because they make a noise in church, but their loins... I know you don't want to hear it, but I'm just talking about Satan taking advantage. We are ignorant of his devices. You think you're progressive? You think you're having fun? And then you wonder why total disasterments, even when you pray in the name of Jesus. Even when you go to a good church, even if your notebook is full of notes. And you know the Hebrew words and the Greek words, and you know the introduction and everything, nothing is working. Because it is, it is at that point where you introduce vulnerability into your life. And the devil just looks at you and says, Oh, strategy, oh. I can't match them pound for pound, but I'm going to use my devices. I'm going to use my strategy. I'm going to, I'm going to haunt them in their loins. They will never be able to break free. Unfortunately, today, the world has become crazy with flaunting sexuality. And the world is forcing us to chill and accept what we pushed hard and made to go that way. That people go to an extent and say, no, I'm doing this for my children. There was no other way of supporting my children. And we justify these things. And in the meantime, we're trying to stand against Satan. So tonight, Bazalwanda, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. I don't need to come to you and tell you what you've done. You don't need to come to me to tell me what I've done. I know what I've done. You know what you've done. This same God who says, forgive the brother because he's repentant. He's the same God who will forgive you, forgive me, because we are repentant. Are you there? Not only that, he will restore us. Barcelona, have you asked yourself, why is it that this is one of the most difficult areas in people's lives they can't break free from it? Did you ever ask yourself that question? Did you ever ask yourself that question? Why is it that God said to Moses, every male child who's a covenant child must be circumcised? In other words, it's a secret part of your body that every time a man washes and is in secret, remembers the covenant they had. In other words, it's purity in secret. And it is the purity in secret where nobody sees. Because there are some, there are some people, but all right, in secret. 
And, and God sees it all. And the devil sees it all. Why is it that this industry is being paraded, fed to us through social media? Years ago, people had to travel and go to places to be exposed to these things. Today, it's brought on your cell phone. In your room, privately, at night, only one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nobody see. And then you come to church and say, hallelujah. And the devil are, oh, Allah, So, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. Marawena. Sally, you sealed your destiny right there. When you made that decision, you're already heading for a crash. It's just a matter of time. You know what, young people? I would advise you to cultivate self-control. Telling you, now I would advise you. Yeah, yeah. Elderly people will tell you there are certain things that are very hard to get rid of. If you don't have sexual purity and if you are not faithful in your loins, if you think you are doing it because Hawanyala, you have coffees. Because even how yet, if you already have an acquired taste syndrome, and the older you get, it's the harder it is to get rid of it. Learn certain disciplines, ulimunyane. Yeah, learn them, learn them. Learn, rather, rather overdose yourself in biblical principles. Oh, come on now, let's, let's, let's show overdose yourself busy yourself with praying going to church doing all the just busy yourself busy yourself busy yourself overdose yourself yeah so that you have a stronger resistance you build a strong ability to say no and you are holy in your secret places and your loins is in place and it's the loins of truth there's truthfulness and honesty and you live by God's word and you have made certain decisions let your friends call you names it's okay let them say it's okay I said let them say all kinds of things it's okay because God is going to use you more because there is purity in your life. Can I hear an amen in the house? And you don't have how nyetsi ulo supplementa kabo maisusu. Orube You don't have to. Because you've already developed the discipline. Of being faithful, you become faithful to them, and are the only ones 
that you're committed to and that your spirit and your heart joins to and everything about you joins to them. And if they love God and you love God, my goodness me, you are on another level spiritually. Somebody give the Lord a shout and an amen in the heart. We are not ignorant of his devices. And so tonight, this is what I'm going to ask us to do, Barcelona. I know there's a sensitive part, and I'm, and I'm thankful that you are open to truth, because these days, yeah. and to be liked by people, when we become a generation that cannot move the power of Satan. Let me just say something, Bazalana, before we go. Let me share something with you. You see, I don't know why today, you know, I used to have a little bit of a, a different understanding about uh, Elisha's request to Elijah. When he said, when Elijah said, what do you want? He said, I want a double portion of your spirit. And, and, and my understanding was he wanted twice what Elijah had, which is true, but there's another side to it which is going to be my closing part. Even though Elijah was a powerful prophet, during his ministry, he couldn't bring down Jezebel. Couldn't. He was anointed, everything, but he could not transform a system that had its grip on a nation. It takes a different anointing. When Elisha said, I want a double portion, look at the ministry of Elisha. Not only did he do twice as much as Elijah, but Elisha brought down Jezebel. Oh, I want to prophesy. God wants to raise a generation. I said God wants to raise a generation that's going to bring down the Jezebels. I wonder if you are part of that generation that's going to bring down the Jezebels. I have a sense, Barcelona, that as the charismatic church, we have achieved a lot of things and we thank God for it. But let me tell you something. I want to say it in the words that God said to, 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 to Joshua. Or to Moses. You know, to Joshua. I said, Joshua. No, Moses. He says, Moses. There's still a lot of land. It's Joshua, actually. There's still a lot of land to possess. Mara, you're getting old. You're timing out. You followed me, but there are things that have not been done. You are timing out. I want to say tonight, I believe we're not going to time out that God is raising a generation. God is taking us back, Barcelona, to the unfinished business. And if we learn, if we learn to do what God has told us to do, I see us bringing down the Jezebels in the name of Jesus. Give the Lord a big hand as you stand on our feet, somebody. Give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number one, I'm going to ask you to go into your privacy and talk to God about your life. You know what's been happening in your loin area. No one needs to tell you. And if it is that you 
haven't followed what God said, ask him to forgive you, genuinely. So God, I, I'm sorry for what I've done. One, I repent. I turn my back on it. Number two, I ask that the blood of Jesus will cleanse me. And thirdly, God, for every covenant connection I've had, through allowing myself to be the hand in the hands of different women, different men, whatever impact that has had on my life, I break it now. I ask for your grace. And finally, please show me and reveal to me other areas of weakness where Satan is taking advantage of my life. And whatever it is, you begin to pray tonight. Can you do that, everybody? All over the place. Just talk to God in private. In private. That's right. Yeah, that's what we do. We, we come to God in repentance. And we bow down God. Thank you, Jesus. Just ask him to forgive you right now. God, in the secret place. In the secret place. In the manorist. Forgive us. Forgive me, Lord. Saramakris. We ask you for grace. We ask you for mercy. We ask you for forgiveness. Unburden us. Unchain us. Let the canopy of evil that's rested on our lives be taken away. The veil that has closed our eyes from seeing the truth, will you remove it, we pray. The spiritual weakness and us not being strong and powerful to move the Jezebels of today. Move us, God. Move us, God, into a new level. Oh, the blood. 
the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood of Jesus. The blood that cleanses us from all sin. The blood that will never lose its power. We come with honesty and truthfulness, God. We say we're sorry. Forgive us for having allowed the culture of our day to fleece us, to capture us. Forgive us for having allowed ourselves to be sucked in by that which is trendish today. Oh God, we are your chosen people. We are your separated people. We are the children of God. We are the ones who are loved by you. You are the one who has married us. We are your bride, oh God. And he said we mustn't defile ourselves. Oh God. And now, Lord, we receive our forgiveness right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. For your word says, if we will confess our sins. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Thank you for lifting the weight of people right now, God. Thank you for the chains that are falling off right now, God. Thank you for covenants that have been broken right now, God. Thank you for evil spiritual connections that have been made that have been cut right now, oh God. Thank you for people whose, whose hearts and whose whose demeanor God has been tempered with. Thank you for you intervening in them. Father, I see somebody who has struggled even with mental disease. I see them being healed right now. They were troubled by worry and anxiety and fear. I see your grace, your grace, your grace, your grace, your grace, your grace which is sufficient, your grace, your grace which is sufficient. Oh, Sarmenengre Sakaraba Karodesalaba, Yaborebe Sakatoro de Baba, Rabba Baba Baba. I see people being restored to their spiritual fervor, to their spiritual power, to their spiritual effectiveness. God, I can see the Holy Spirit moving in a fresh way in the hearts of people moving in a fresh way upon people thank you for purity and cleanliness thank you for holiness that comes from you thank you god for us restoring our covenantal obligations and our covenantal connections with you we lay aside every filthiness we lay aside every weight we lay aside every encumbrance. We lay aside everything that blocks us from the fullness of what you have. And we stand in your presence. Forgive us as individuals, but also forgive us as a church. Forgive us as churches. 
for having allowed ourselves to go down that route. Forgive us for having turned a blind eye to those practices. Forgive us as men and women of the cloth for having been the ones to partake in these wrongs and in these evils and in these sins. Restore us, O God, to our first love. Restore us, O God, to our first love. Restore us, O God, to the days of innocence and honesty. Restore us to the days of purity. Restore us in our fear of you that we, we have a healthy fear of God. Restore us that we will be men of clean hands. Your word says who will be able to appear before the throne of God. Who can ascend up to the throne of God. It is him who has clean lips. Him who has clean hands. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood. Cleanse our hands that have done evil. Cleanse our lips that have spoken evil. Cleanse our minds that have thought evil. Cleanse our bodies that have been tied to what is evil. Every part of our body, Father God, we present our members today as instruments of righteousness. Every part of our body we present it to you. Let this be the days of Elisha, O God. Let this be the days of renewal, the days of the double portion. Let this be the days where we'll be able to slay giants that were not slain before. Let this be the days where we'll bring down the spirit of Jezebel. The influence and the evil influence over the nation. The evil influence over our cities, over our churches. Let the church arise, O God. Let a new day arise, O God. Thank you, Lord, for the burdens that have been broken. Thank you for the chains that are falling. Join hands, everybody. Join hands with your neighbor right now. And continue to pray. Continue to pray. Let's stand on our feet. Join hands with your neighbor.
and continue to pray sakatola mada rabala brefela rakatara bakrata sataradata father we join our hands to take this spiritual battle to a higher dimension to a higher level we are in unity we are in oneness oh god magabatara manamrasata we are of one heart one soul one spirit ekima ika agaradeke besetala shakalamando rombolinde saparamanepa namamakotodo asibrasakaradeka rabalabadebra we receive our forgiveness tonight we receive our forgiveness tonight. We receive our forgiveness tonight. Ebesekatolopa, Mama Rembrabeleda, Rabalaba Gabro de Satala Dayala, Otebra Nongrababa, Mama Liado Rebetele Basakata, Agagrata Basakala Manoko, Naboriano Resakoro Dayala. Father, thank you that you are filling us again with the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for a refilling of the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for a revival. Thank you for a renewal. Yes, Akataradoso, Mama Maria Nunchen, Mangala Nanjende, Rimala Manongo, Bograkatos Katara de Braca Labacar de Gadebra, Rabala Bacata, Bratata Labacusa Labachala, Mama Makura Batala Matura Masita Labapambara Bague, Eskitara Bocratas Canamo Nimbra Nella Magura Mondondo Rosele, Emambra Tala Mapa Baba Labagaradaya. Thank you, Lord, for returning the church to its former glory thank you for taking the body of Christ to its former glory to its former place of power to its former place of anointing to its former place of impact to its former place of authority thank you Lord that our words will not be in vain our command will not be an empty command but when we pray and when we command the principalities and powers have to obey. We offer our bodies, O oh God, as instruments of righteousness. We offer ourselves to you, O oh God, as instruments of righteousness. Oh, we bless your name. 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 Shapatarabadoba. Rabababa Katarada. Thank you, Jesus. Chains are falling tonight. Bondages are breaking tonight. God is restoring the bride to her former glory. God has cleansed away the filth of Zion. God has wiped away our wrong and our sin and the church is back in its power and back in its authority. There are people who you've had this phenomenon called spiritual husbands, things that have come and exploited you sexually. And I know for some of you, it's because your loins area was not clean. 
A door was opened through your own doing. But tonight is the end of that in the name of Jesus. That's the end. Oh yeah. I can just feel that anointing through my body right now. And I know it's coming upon those people. Tonight, listen, you're going, you're going home today. A different person and a new person. Mark this day, it's the end of that. The end of those spirits coming your way. The end of you being tormented. The end of you having sleepless nights. Tonight begins a new journey in your life. A new chapter in your life. Tonight your sleep will be sweet. Your sleep will be filled with the anointing. And the power of God will come upon you. But also I sense that tonight we'll sense the refreshing presence of God of feeling clean again. And not walking around with guilt. Condemnation. Actually, I know as I was praying, somebody who's had serious problems with mental wellness. It was all because of the guilt in that area. And tonight, not only has God touched you, God has restored your mental wellness tonight. Tonight. The spirit of fear is gone. The spirit of anxiety is gone. All those anxiety attacks in the name of Jesus, they will never come back again. This marks your freedom. This marks your deliverance. Give the Lord a shout if you believe that this is your day today. Jesus! 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 Not only that, tonight marks the restoration of the bride to her former glory. Oh, God has washed away the filth of Zion. God has removed the filth of the bride. Again, we stand before him in our white garments, untainted, untouched by any force. The blood of Jesus has brought restoration to us. Come on, if you believe that. Come on, shout, give the Lord a big hand. Hallelujah. But not only that, tonight, God restores us as a body and the body of Christ. To our place of authority again. Watch our authority begin to work. Watch how things are going to be brought down. Watch how the kingdom of darkness is going to fall. Watch how Satan is going to bite the dust. Because when we call the name of Jesus now, the heavens can listen and there's no weakness. There's no area where Satan can ignore us. God has restored us. Somebody give the Lord a shot in the area. Declare you Lord of Lords, 
and we present our body as a living sacrifice. We willfully choose to die to our flesh but to live to righteousness. Every member of our body dedicated to you. We remind ourselves tonight that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so Spirit of the living God, fill us to overflowing. There's more capacity now. Every room cleansed, cleaned for you. And every room to be occupied by you. And let your glory fill our house. And I pray, Lord, that as we Oh, Jesus. Oh, I see powers of darkness being unseated. The plans and the schemes they had to bring down churches being totally, being totally stopped and frustrated in the name of Jesus. The powers of darkness that were ganging up against the body of Christ being totally pushed back in the name of Jesus. And for those who are servants of darkness, I see them fall in the name of Jesus. I see them by the dust in the name of Jesus. Those secret agents, I see them being taken out in the name of Jesus. And I see places that Satan was trying to use as the seat of his power been taken back by Jesus Christ. Territory has been taken over by you, O oh Lord. We honor you and we bless you. Will you raise your hands to the Lord and just pray in the Holy Ghost for him? Mamra Sakara Dabra Dabari Thank you, Lord.